Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience, the podcast in which each week I am on a one-man mission to unite our culture through diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me, special guest on the podcast today from City Song of the Week, my boy Red. How you doing, brother? What's going on, D? Nothing much. You also do the, what's the, the horror podcast? It's not horror. It's, you do a yeah, conspiracy theory podcast. It, it is hard podcast. It's called the Haunted Horror Podcast. Oh, there we go. That's what it was. I'm trying to think of the name of it. <laughs> so, as always, we'd like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers to get the ball rolling. Red, are you ready? My favorite. This is my favorite shit right here. Awesome. Question number one. What do you think is the worst song you've done so far on City Song of the Week? The worst song? Yeah. Oh, man. Like, probably, Brandon might disagree with me on this, but probably the first full season of the show on its own because Shitty Song of the Week started off as a segment on another show. When it when it became its own thing and we'd done one full year of uh, recording and we'd done Shitty Song of the Year for the first time, um, Brandon brought... Uh, a song called, I don't know what the name of the song was called, but it was um, by an artist and his name was Varg Vigerness. And it's like Norwegian black metal. That sounds horrible. It, Dude, it's fucking, it's nothing but noise. The guy <laughs> recorded it. The guy recorded it on like the old school black tape decks you had back in the day. You know what I mean? Like the big black boxes. Yes. He recorded it. He recorded it on that all himself. And it's it's the worst thing your ears have ever heard. That's bad. Don't look that up, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do not look that up. Yeah. All right. Question number two. What's a hidden talent you think you have? Say again? What's a hidden talent that you think you have? A hidden talent? Yes. Um. Hmm. Like if somebody was to say, hey, Red, is that something that, that you could do? Yeah, do, do this that thing. thing. That, yeah. Um, dude, I don't have any hidden talents. That's a, I don't None? have any. Like, I can roll my tongue if that counts, but that's not really a hidden talent. I, think I can do the counts. whole, you know what I mean? Like that, any, but it's about everybody can do that. I don't really no, have like. Not, not everybody can do that at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't have like a hidden, like a hidden talent. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have one, dude. I really don't think I have one. Hmm. Interesting. I think which I have is, a couple, which is kind of sad and and not really interesting at all. But I, I really, I really don't have a hidden talent. I, don't, I can't think of anything. Nobody's ever said, "Hey, Red, do that thing you can do." Yeah, like, "Hey, Red, come over here and play these drums." Oh, Red can play yeah, the drums. No, no. I, I play guitar, but that's not really a hidden talent. Like everybody knows, I can do that. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on that one. I don't have a hidden talent, dude. Okay. Question number three. If you could revive one TV show. So any TV show you want, bring it back. Either you can reboot it or bring back the original cast. What TV show would it be? Good time. Ah, would you bring... I guess you still can bring back the original cast, can you? Is everybody still alive from Good Time, or would you reboot it? No, I think, uh, uh, what was the mom's name? Uh, Florida. Florence. Florida. I think yeah. she's passed away, and I think James has passed away. Is he? I, um, thought he, I, thought he, I think he's still alive, unless it must have been recently. Um, well, wait a minute. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about him passing away in the actual show. Yeah. I don't know if he's dead or not. I, I think he's still alive. I think he's just retired from acting. Mm, okay um yeah i would i would try to i mean I, i'd like to see a reboot of it just to see who they would come up with to fill the shoes of the original cast members who would you try to cast in it that'd, that'd be uh, interesting hmm if they rebooted the one years i don't see why they can't reboot good times by the way because one years is rebooted yeah um i'd say idris elba for james that'll be good um Oh shit. 
Um, I'm not very good with celebrity names, Delvin. You'll have to excuse me. Oh, that's um, no problem. I'm trying to think who else you could add. You probably could add. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've got, I've got like, uh, okay, the woman, I can't remember her name, but she plays in um, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, yeah. I can't remember her name. I know, you, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because that's what her, I was thinking in my head. Her is Florida. Um, Probably, and it would be funny to do just because it's the opposite of what JJ was, but somebody short like Kevin Hart to play JJ. Okay. Not actually Kevin. Well, if it was Kevin Hart, that'd be funny. Just have Kevin Hart, grown ass Kevin Hart playing JJ Evans. Yeah, yeah. Just have sh- Kevin Hart <laughs> short ass because JJ was super tall. So it would be yeah. funny to have Kevin Hart, you know, Kevin Hart what JJ playing forty year old Kevin Hart playing fifty year old Edris Alpha's son is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, as far as Penny goes. Um, maybe this is probably terrible, but um, what's the girl's name? She was in. Uh, she plays on Euphoria. What's the chick's name? Zendaya. Uh, Zendaya. Yeah, Zendaya. Yeah, yeah. Somebody like that. She would be good for that role. Yeah, but yeah, and I um, think there's and there's Michael, the militant black kid. Mm, militant black kid, the dude that played in um. Oh, what's the, it was on HBO Max. Judas something. It was a, it was oh, a, Judas uh, and the Black Messiah. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah. That guy. I can't remember his name. Like I say, I'm not good with, very good with names, but that dude. Okay, I know you're talking about, um, what is his name right now? These are the widest answers you've ever had, I think. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just naming off random black people that I know. Yeah, I mean, dude, like, as far as, I mean, I grew up on Good Times. You know what I mean? Like Good Good Times was um, a show that I shared with my whole family. You know what I mean? Like we we sat down in front of the TV and watched Good Times together. Uh, shows like uh, Gilligan's Island we watched together. You know what I mean? Shit like that. So any either one of those two, Gilligan's Island or Good Times, would be good with me. I, I like I like that. Um, I have a, I, I'm gonna give you one for Michael because I just thought about it. Okay. And if, if, when I when I tell you the kid, you will say, "Yeah, that's a good idea." Okay, Caleb McLaughlin, and it, and I know you don't know his name when I say it, but he's the black kid from Stranger Things. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. He would be good yep. as Michael. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hell yeah! I think that could work. I love Stranger Things. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah. All right, question number four. Let me get this right now. Well, first, I'm going to ask you an easy question then. What is an NFT? What is an NFT? It's like a, a GIF on steroids, right? Like art that people sell online for shit tons of money and i take it to be just like a souped up gif or gif or however the fuck you say that okay that's a good answer that's, that's a good answer that's i'll try to ask everybody I'm, that question because nobody knows what the hell it is so right. everybody gives a variation of a similar answer right so it's always interesting to see what people think nft is because nobody knows what the fucking nft is it makes yeah, no i sense. have no idea i have no idea what it stands for i've be. had i've had it's non-fungible token that's what it stands for, if I'm correct. Hmm. I've had most okay. people try to explain to me what an NFT is, and I still have no clue what it does. Why would you want to buy this? How is it valuable? But like it's used as currency or something, right? It can't be used as currency. It can't be. It's buyable art, essentially. Ah, gotcha. Okay. It's digital art that you can purchase, and apparently there's only a certain amount of these made, so nobody else can... Use your digital art. It's stupid. But people are buying it. Yeah, and I've heard that they're selling this shit for ridiculous money. amounts of money. Yeah. yeah. All right, question five. This is going to be a good one for you. And this is what I was going to ask you for four, but I, I, I'll choose it for five. Okay. Pick five people, celebrities or not, that you think in another life, or even this life maybe, 
they would be a supervillain. Hmm. Um, in real life, Tom Cruise. So you think? Okay, that's a good one. So Tom Cruise could possibly be a supervillain. Actually, actually, let me take that back. Let's think. Let's do five to one. Okay, one being like the superest villain of all. Okay. So I'm gonna do Tom Cruise. Okay. I'm gonna do. Um, I feel like Zach Galifianakis could be a supervillain, but he's more like the Doctor Doofenshmirtz of the supervillain. <laughs> you know I like what I'm that saying? answer. I like that one. Um, number Get, three getting would beat be... by a platypus every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, number three. Let's see. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, interesting. He'll be an interesting um, supervillain. Oh, what's his name? I'm not. I'm so not good with names, man. The dude that in, played uh, the, the guy that played Morpheus on the Matrix. Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Yeah. Yes, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, and number one being uh, Elon Musk. He's definitely a supervillain. I, I he, is, he, is currently a, he is currently a supervillain. Yeah, I, I 100% think that he may be Dr. Doom. Just like, just creating up weapons of mass destruction and building spaceships, and then one day he's going to just pull it out and say, ha, I got you. This man knows something that the American public does not, and he is preparing to leave Earth for a specific reason. Yeah. And he, and I he's, mean... It's 2022, and this man is doing test runs to space for fun. Yeah, you don't put, you don't invest that much money into something for fun. Mm-mm. No, I mean he. I, I heard word that he funded the um, the highest skydive from Felix Bumgarner a couple years ago that Red Bull sponsored or whatever. Oh, okay. I remember that. Felix- Felix Bumgarner has the highest skydive to record. It's like right on the cusp of like the stratosphere or some bullshit. Right. And I heard that Elon Musk, and this is, I don't know how true it is, but I heard that Elon Musk helped fund. it. So he's just, he's, he's exploring space for, for hobby. He has nothing else to do. He's got so much fucking money that, he just has to explore space for fun. That to me screams super villain. Well, let me ask you this. Since we're on this topic, we'll talk about it a little bit. How far do you think we're from intergalactic space travel? Uh, within the next 20 years. Oh. I mean, there cool. are there are there are already uh celebrities, you want to call them just for sake of conversation, people with wealth. Wealth unfathomable unfathomable yeah um that are taking leisure trips to to space and coming back um i feel like in the next 20 years maybe 25 30 worst case scenario but i feel like 20 years from now people will be vacationing space. now now i'm not saying like a space base on mars or something like that i'm thinking something along the lines of like the international space station okay like to go like an like a floating uh a floating hotel if you will okay like the um, justice league watchtower almost there you go yep exactly like that just you can go stay in like the international or whatever the fuck and you pay an and a, a stupid amount of money to vacation in space for a week or whatever 20, 25, 30 years. Okay. And so, Elon Musk will and Elon Musk will pioneer that. I can believe that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So Red, how's it been going, buddy? Man, you're doing a lot of things. You're doing City Song of the Week, which is a great podcast, even though you guys screwed me out in the blue pants thing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but, even go there, man. <laughs> Damn it. And you're also doing your 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 horror podcast. Which you wasn't doing the last time we, we spoke. So how's no, that going? Man, I took a break from the Haunted Horror podcast for a while. Me and Brandon um, decided to pull all, put all of our eggs into the shitty song of the week basket. Smart move. Um, 
it was taking not a lot of time, but, you know, researching the songs, picking the songs, doing the research for the show. I just didn't have time to record for the haunted horror podcast anymore. You know, I, I pre-recorded two or three episodes. I put them out scheduled to release certain dates and I just let it go. You know, I made, I made short little, um, recordings saying such, you know, but, um, shitty song of the week has has hit another gear in 2022, I think. And we've got a website now. Um, we're having on just about a guest a week now. We don't, me and Brandon don't even hardly record just ourselves anymore. We always have a guest on, it seems like, which is good. You know, people are showing interest in the show and want to be a part of it. But um, I feel like the show is growing at an organic rate to where, you know, it's not going to fizzle out anytime soon. I mean, there's a lot of music commentary podcasts out there in the, on the internet but I feel like shitty song of the week kind of stands out amongst a few of those just because I don't see anybody else doing a bracket style head to head type music commentary show. You know what I mean? Brandon hit the nail on the head when he came up with this show concept. Um, I, but here lately um, I've had some downtime um, and I've uh, recorded a few uh, stories for the haunted hard podcast. And um, I've got six or seven in the chamber scheduled out right now to come out for the whole month of February and then some of March. Um, I, I have to get back into it, man. I, I, I always come back to horror stories and creepypastas and the no sleep Reddit thread. You know what I mean? Like I, I have to come back to it because that's one of the things that I love the most is horror movies, the horror genre in itself, you know. Um, well, let me so, ask you this. What got you in the horror? Oh, man. Freddy Krueger. That's, I, I want to say that's what got me in the horror, too, as a kid. Whenever I, was, whenever I was a young kid, man, 12, 13 years old, whenever the Nightmare on Elm Street movies first came out, Freddy Krueger was one of the first uh, on-screen uh, bad guys, horror-type thing that I was, you know, shown at, at first. Then it was Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Then it was Michael Myers. Then it was the tall man from the Phantasm. And then it was, you know, Stephen King's It and, you know, The Shining and stuff like that. And then it, it bumps up to, you know, in the last 20 years, you've got the Saul I love Saul. series. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it just, Freddy Krueger is what, is what I, uh, I cut my teeth on as far as horror. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember what was the first Freddy Krueger movie you saw? What Nightmare on Elm Street movie you saw? The very first one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I went and seen Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first one, in movie theaters when I was like 12, 13 years old. The first one I saw, I want to say it was part three, Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a horror movie before that one. I saw, um, I used to watch a lot of Friday the 13th mm-hmm. because that's like my... My uncle had, like, a big stack of, like, VHS tapes that he recorded off, off of, like, TV and stuff like that, or I don't know where right. he got them from, but they were, a lot of them were horror movies, and I, the specific ones I remember was he had one that had um, Phantasm on it, he had one that had on it um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and it had on part one, and he had one that had on Friday the 13th, I want to say part four, three, and two, because, you know... Mm. Kids, for those who don't know, back in the day, when we used to have VHS tapes, the VHS had three functions. It had SLP, which was it could record up to eight hours of a video. It had SP, which was the best quality, but you only could record two hours of video. Mm-hmm. And you had, I think it was LP. We could record like four hours of video or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And my uncle used to just record all these horror films. And me being a dumb kid, I didn't know what these things were. I was like, hey, these are cool. These are just movies. So I would just sit there and watch them. And I got kind of desensitized to them because I just, because I didn't know what horror was at the time. I was probably like six, seven years old. I didn't know what horror was, so I didn't understand the concept of, oh, I'm supposed to be scared of them. I'm just thinking these are just movies. <laughs> and I got. I remember watching um, 
A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and just thinking it was super cool because the whole story felt like, for lack of a better word, a comic book movie. Right. You had yep. these kids who were fighting Freddy in a dream world and then they figured out the rules of the dream world and they became these superhero characters. And I just thought that was so cool as a kid. If I'm not mistaken, I think that the Friday the 13th series actually has a comic. Ah, I think I think you're I think, right. I think you're I right. Think so yeah, and it doesn't even follow the movie storyline. It's a completely separate storyline from what the movies follow. Because I remember around that time that it was that had to be the '80s. There were a lot of horror comic books out there. There was like um, I want to say there was a Nightmare on Elm Street one. There was a Man Thing, which yeah. was like Swamp Thing. That was Marvel. Right. I think there was actually yeah. a Swamp Thing comic as well for a good while. There was a lot of cool things that we do. In a horror genre, genre with comics, they had like um, I want to say Creep Show had a comic book series too as well. Absolutely, they absolutely did. Yeah. Now, I mean, like as far as going to the movies and seeing my first horror film was Friday the Thirteenth, but I was exposed to like Tales of the Crypt, you know, at a young age. I had, um, and this is not really like horror, but it was creatures in movies. Was like the uh, what was that movie called? It was four or five of them, I think. The Toxic Avenger. Oh, yes. The Toxic the, Avenger. The Traumaville films. Yeah, I remember those. Yes. Yeah. So as far as horror, like actual horror, it has to be Freddy Krueger. But as far as creatures in movies, it was, you know, Tales from the Crypt. And that's horror, really. But I feel like my first full-length feature film was Friday the 13th, for sure. Because I remember going to the movie theater and seeing that with my older cousins, you know. Because I wasn't I went old enough to get in the movie theater unless I had somebody that was NC-17. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So, um, yeah, definitely Freddy Krueger for sure. But I've moved on, man. Like anything horror related, I'm more into like the B the B side movies now. The shit that doesn't make the theaters that you find on the the free streaming sites and all this kind of shit. Now, you know what I mean? Give me a good one. Give me a good one. The Hills Have Eyes. That's a solid choice. And that's that's more thriller, I think, like psychological thriller, I think. Because I mean, there are creatures, but it's just incestual creatures. You know what I mean? It's not like a scary, uh, like boogeyman type horror movie. It's more of a psychological thriller type horror. But um, the hills have eyes. Now, I'm not talking about the one that came out early 2000s. I'm thinking the one that came out like what is it, the 80s? I think the original Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I think it was 80s or something like that. 86, 87, something like that. So, what made you want to do a podcast about scary stories and horror? Just the creepypasta thing that was blowing up at the time? And before I started recording stories for the Haunted Horror Podcast, that show, I think I've mentioned this before on your show, but the Haunted Horror Podcast has evolved from, I moved to West Virginia about six or seven years ago from South Carolina. And there's a lot of lure around west virginia as far as creatures go the mothman is the most popular one um the flatwoods monster you know there's there's all kind there's i could sit here and name them all for days and i started that podcast when i first moved up here when i found out there was so much lure in west virginia that um i created a wild and wonderful west virginia oddities podcast which was just talking about the lure of West Virginia, the Mothman, the Flatwoods. That's monster. what I remember we talked about. We talked about that, that podcast. Yeah. So I started reading creepy pastas on my own, not even recording them, not even, you know, reading them myself. I just thought I just creepypasta.com was a thing and I like scary stories and they range anywhere from an hour read time to five minutes read time. Just depends on what you come up with. And I just, you know, I would read through them like, damn, that was a really good story. Like just reading it, like freaked me out. So I decided to put it in verbal form and there's a crap ton of horror podcasts out there that read stories, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to stand out amongst the plethora of horror podcasts. It's just my take on reading scary stories. You know, it's just what I get out of it, my take on the sound effects and what I think it would sound like if somebody read it and all this kind of stuff. So it, it, the show's kind of evolved from a 
like a local West Virginia fable type show to it was the horror world tour at one time, which I took horror stories from different parts of the world and different countries and origins and shit like that. And then it evolved into the haunted horror podcast that it is now. And it, it's just something for me to do on my, in my downtime, you know, and I've got, I've got a few diehard fans out there that like listening to me read stories that scoop it up every time one comes out. Like I've had people message me why I'm not reading anymore. You know, it's a whole thing, but I feel like all my effort needed to be in shitty song of the week at the time. And even now that shitty song of the week has picked up and is a little busier than we, ha we have been in the past. I've had a few, you know, week or so downtime, you know, I, I wound up with COVID for a little while. Have we all at this point? <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah, and luckily I'm vaccinated and boosted, so it wasn't as bad on me as it has some other people. You know me what too. I mean? So, you know, so um, I had a, a week's worth of downtime that I, I, was, I was bored sitting around. I, I got tired of playing video games. I got tired of reading actual books. I come in here and I read, you know, a couple creepy pastas, and I was like, you know, I'm wasting time here. This is this is a good time to record me reading some of the ones you know that I find that are my favorites. So I just decided to press record on a few of them and record them and, and put out a few more episodes. And I'm not saying that this is, you know, for keeps that I'm going to keep recording because there'll probably come a time when I'm just too damn busy to record anymore. And I'll take another break, you know, but for the time being, I have, you know, six or seven stories in the chamber to come out in the next month and a half or so. So um, it's it's just something I love, man. Like horror movies, horror stories. Just, I've always been attracted to the horror genre in general. Yeah. I, I, I love horror movies and stuff like that as well. So I can completely relate to that. Have you ever thought about doing an episode with the whole production? Like, you know, one of my favorite horror podcasts is, um, I don't know if you know it. It's called chilling tales for dark nights. Absolutely. Otis Jiry is an inspiration of mine. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You ever, you ever thought about going that route with maybe an episode, like getting like a voice cast and having them act it out and things like that? I have, and I've actually contacted a few people. And me and Brandon, Brandon had a show one time um, called The Dead Tube Podcast. I remember that. And he would take comedy sitcoms, and he would put a horror spin on them and make them a lot creepier than what they are. And it had an, I'm going to call it an all-star cast. It had different uh, readers and different actors and voice actors and stuff on it. And I have thought about it, but there's just, there's just a, a, a saturation for it. You know what I mean? There's, there's all kinds of horror podcasts out there. And there are a few people that have reached out and said they would read, you know, and, and do some acting, some voice acting for me. but. The editing is a nightmare. Oh, yeah. I, I want like, to say I was on an episode of Dead Tube now that I think about it. You were. Yeah. And it's like with, with the Haunted Horror podcast, you know, I, I used to do the sound effects in it. I used to put my own spin on sound effects. I would spend hours in here picking through sound effects and adding them to the show where it would give more depth to the show, you know, and, and, and feel like you're listening to a movie. You know I like what I mean? That. But it just became so, so time consuming. So, so now, you know, and, and not that I'm putting less love into it. It's just more of a time constraint thing. You know what I mean? Like I can read a story, edit out my ums and uhs and my stutter steps and all that, put a little creepy background track in it, put the intro in it and it's done. And people can get the same effect out of it. I get the same response out of it. If I just read it, with a little creepy background music and the intros and stuff and, and just put it out. And there are a lot of really popular horror podcasts out there that do the same thing. Yeah. But it, it's just a time constraint thing for me, I guess. I mean, I would love to have the time and put forth the effort to make a full production horror podcast. It's just, you know, I feel like, you know, shitty song of the week is just, more important to me than the horror thing that I do, you know, because that show has a lot more popularity. It's a lot more time consuming. Um, so horror, the, the, the haunted horror podcast and the horror stuff that I do is just something I do in my spare time at this point. So 
maybe one day, you know, like in some more downtime, I might get together, might even contact you maybe one time to, to, to read parts of a story. I've had my kids like in certain stories that I've read, I've had my kids, like when it, when it, when it calls for a child's voice or a young person's voice or something like that, I have had my kids read certain parts of stories for me. But as far as, you know, a full cast, man, that's a lot of work, man. A oh, yeah. Work. Trust me, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about some shitty song of the week. What has it been like for you watching this podcast grow from where it started at which was like a, a I don't want to say skit, but I guess like a segment on another podcast to what it is now, which is kind of super popular. Um, it's surreal. Like when I first started podcasting in general, just podcasting period, I bought a podcast kit for $99 with a two channel mixer, some patch cords and a microphone and a set of headphones. And I, I podcasted with, you know, Seamus, Mr. Patrick Michaels, I, I podcasted with him for a little bit before he became, you know, a corn in the turd. <laughs> um, and, you know, I kind of got my feet wet, getting comfortable behind a microphone. And, you know, I, I, I expected to get a handful of people listening. You know, just one person was enough for me, you know. And when I met Brandon online, through Twitter, through the podcast community. And we, we dipped our toes in a lot of different styles of shows. And he had a show with another, with another guy. And it was the shitty song of the week was a segment. And I guessed it on that show a few times. And I loved the idea of it. The whole concept of a music battle style show that puts two terrible songs together and makes them battle head to head was a no brainer. You know, like it, it's, the, it's the greatest idea I've ever heard of for a podcast. And, you know, as a segment, like he had a few co-hosts that fell by the wayside just because of, you know, life happens type situations. But, you know, whenever I came on as a co-host and, you know, me and Brandon were getting handfuls of listens, a couple 20, 50, 100, you know, downloads a week or something like that. And in the course of this would be the fourth year as a show as it as a whole show like it used to be a segment on a show we done called just a podcast or before that excuse me before that it was a segment on a show that he had called sack em up sundays then it moved to just a podcast that me and him done together as a segment and then it started gaining popularity as far as people listening like you know people would leave reviews and comments like man i wish shitty song of the week was longer like it needs to be its own thing like it, it doesn't need to be a segment so Brandon stepped out and made it, made it, made it its own thing, created an RSS feed for it and made it its own show. And it's just been downhill from there, man, or uphill, uphill. downhill, downhill a, roller, the a roller coaster of, <laughs> of things, you know, um, you know, and, and it, it went from, you know, picking two songs and just talking about them, listening to them. And, and, you know, we didn't have a voting thing, you know, to start with. It was just something that we'd done every week. Two songs would come together and battle head to head. Again, Brandon had the idea to put these things in a bracket style situation and create a shitty song of the year, which give it a different, uh, give it more depth and, and more substance to the show to where people could vote and interact with the show and become part of the show and leave you know, comments and recommendations for songs to this year, we created a website where we're selling merch and we are, we have a Patreon where we do, you know, extra stuff that we don't normally do on the show. We review new albums that come out. We, we have a thing that we do called a listener party where we pick a random album by a random artist and we see how far we can get through it before we turn it off. We, we do dishonorable mentions songs that are just too shitty to put on the show because they're automatic winners of shitty song of the year. So <laughs> we don't think it's really fair that, to put those types of songs on there, but it's, it's grown into its own, its own entity now and it's breathing life by itself. And it's just, we're holding on for the ride, you know, like people are buying shirts with shitty song of the week wrote on. Yeah. It's true. And that I, blows my mind. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy that people are into it like that. We have 
we had an artist on Twitter create a specific T-shirt for Shitty Song of the Week for a specific artist and episode that we had. And people are actually fucking buying shirts, man. It's, it's crazy. Cool. Like, I'm, cool. I'm not expected to be like, you know, the next Joe Rogan or Howard Stern or anything like that. But I mean, people like last year and, and <laughs> it's a, it's a running joke between me and Brandon and a few other podcasters, you know, my, my music taste is fucking terrible. Apparently, according to the Twitter verse and the podcast community, like I have the worst <laughs> taste in music. So, you know, I took that as, you know, I'm the heel in the situation. I'm the Howard Stern. I'm the Baba Booey to the Howard Stern. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a whole thing now. So it, it's, it's, it, it just blows my mind that it, it's, it's went from a segment to its own thing to people are actually wearing shirts with the show name on it and listening religiously every week. And they comment on Twitter and they leave reviews and they, we have a, a song suggestion hotline and it's it just blows my mind that it's grown into what it is and we haven't paid for one listen we haven't paid for one download it's all been organic and grown at a slow pace to where i really don't think it's going to fizzle out anytime soon i expect myself in five years from now to still be doing this show you know i so. think one of the well let me clarify this the change came in the show when you added, to me at least, the voting system and the fan mm-hmm. interaction, because that makes you as a person, because I listen to the show all the time. As a person who listens to this show, it makes you invested in who wins and who loses. So you go out there and you want to vote. You want to push for your kind of, your, your talent and things like that. Like I mentioned before, the Blue Pants episode, where you guys <laughs> did the whole, with the 69 Whiskey guys, Y'all picked, I had two wrestling songs, two of the worst wrestling songs I've ever heard in my life. Y'all had right. our birthday phase song and the song Blue Pants, and it mm-hmm. got people hyped into it because both songs were terrible. And you had one side like voting for birthday phase and one side voting for Blue Pants, and it was just amazing. I think having that fan inter- interaction, not many podcasts can do that, so you got to commend you guys for that. I'm going to tell you something. That wrestling theme song episode was one of our biggest shows to date um it had one of the biggest turnouts of voters interaction the whole nine yards like we expected like you if you listen back to that episode in the show me and brandon threw in the threw in the towel we threw up the white flag you win absolutely that's the worst song i've ever heard whether it's wrestling themed or not and you know we had triple digit voters it was it 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 blew through the roof as far as downloads and listens go it was just a whole thing man and whenever and and it all stems from me listening to your show when you had 69 whiskey on and i was like damn those guys would really be fun on shitty song of the week just by the way they handled themselves on mic it it had to be a good time one way or the other you know what i mean and that's kind of what my goal is for this show my show always been that kind of what show where I want people to listen and be like, yo, that guy sounds cool. Maybe we should right. be friends with him. Maybe we should have him on our podcast. Maybe we should just, even if it's just a simple follow on Twitter, that's what right. this show is for. It's for people to introduce each other, to co-mingle, to have each other's backs and just make one huge community of everybody as, who can get along. As soon as I got done listening to the episode when you had the 69 whiskey guys on, I immediately contacted them on Twitter. That's dope. I like, I love to hear that. As soon as I got done with the episode, like I listened to it all the way through. And as soon as I got done with the episode, I was like, I'm going to hit these guys up on Twitter. All they can do is say no, (laughs) you know, and that's really with, with any guest that you have on any of these shows, all they can do is really say no. But Eric and Mish were super on board with it. I told them to pick a song, pick a genre, whatever, let us know what genre it was. And me and Brandon would find something to compete with it. And those guys brought the fucking heat. Like that was a nuke dropped on the show. Like that 69 whiskey was the first time that they, that somebody's ever broke the show like that. Yeah. That was fantastic. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, yeah. I, and, and that to me, to me, that was a, you know, Brandon might, you know, disagree, but I, I believe that wrestling episode was a landmark episode for shitty song of the week because it shows that you know it's not just rap or rock or country or pop or or whatever 
that gets people's attention. Like people are, I didn't know that that many fucking people were into wrestling like they are. Oh yeah. A lot. And it's because you know what I mean? and the fucking people came out of the woodwork, dude. And Bertha Faye wind up winning that fucking week. Like it blew my mind. Like I kept tabs. That's another thing that stepped up with shitty song of the week is I now have a part-time job updating shitty song.show every week, the website. So I have to update the winners. I have to make a poll and post it. I have to do, we no longer vote on Twitter anymore. You have to go to the actual website and vote, which draws traffic to the website and which is the whole point of it. But it's just, I didn't realize that there was that much controversy around wrestling theme songs. It, it really blew my mind. I can't believe it. I also it, think it, that was a brilliant idea, by the way, to having, you have to go to the website to vote. I think that was brilliant. That was super smart. It makes people go on your website. They can click on other things if they want to, and it's it's fun. We we have a a main hub now that centers around the show that has everything on it that we do. We advertise the Patreon. We advertise the merch. We put up. There's a certain a specific tab to show you previous winners of Shitty Song of the Year. Every week when somebody wins, I post a winner and a picture and the percentage that they won by on the website. So you can see who won and what percentage they won by. It's a, it's a, almost a full-time job. It really is. And I don't get paid for a single dime of it. I just love doing it just like Brandon does. Brandon takes care of the editing and that side of it. And I take care of a lot of the, the PR and the website and all that kind of stuff. So we have, I think it works because we both have a job to do. And we don't interfere in one another's job that we have. You know, I ask Brandon for suggestions or, or ideas or, you know, things to add to the, to the website. And he asked me about guests. Uh, he, we, we do a recap thing on the beginning of the show now that, that will let the listener know who won last week. Because, you know, seeing that the Twitter poll or the, the poll isn't on Twitter anymore. People want to know who won. You used to be able to see who won by the Twitter poll. Now you have to go to the website to see, and you don't get to see who's winning until you vote. So I have to post who won. You know, it's a whole thing. So I, I believe that's why it works like it does, because we both have a job to do. We do our job, and we don't cross wires in that job. You know what I mean? Like, we both have a job to do, and we're good at both jobs, but we both share the load. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's an even keel now to where the show's going to flow and going to keep growing organically like it is. And one day, hopefully, you know, it'll be a household name. Like everybody will know who shitty song of the week is. I agree. And I also love that you guys do that where y'all, every time y'all announce the winner, y'all have a different guest announce the winner of the previous episode. Mm-hmm. And each guest has kind of brought their own flair to it. Like I, I, Came in and brought my own flair. Jody B has done done his thing with it. I, I appreciate that you guys do that, and it keeps you on your toes. It's dope. Absolutely, it's been fun, man. Like it's it's something new every week. I'm this show made me listen to music differently. You know, like I, I I'm a lover. I have been a lover of music since I was old enough to know what music is, but being friends with Brandon and co-hosting Shitty Song of the Week with him has made me listen to music differently, even in my everyday life. Like I have my own favorite genres of music and I have my own favorite songs, but I don't let that bleed into the show and create a biased opinion. I have to look at the music for what it is. I used to put on what Brandon calls uh, nostalgia glasses that makes where sense. I, I would, you know, oh man, that song's not that bad. I used to listen to that song back in the day. When really it's a terrible fucking song when you really break it down. Just because I like it doesn't mean it's not terrible. Yeah. And that's really and that's really the point of what shitty song of the week is, is to let the listener know and show the listener that even though you like the music musically, and we don't talk too much music theory really. I mean, me and Brandon are both musicians and we know music a little bit, but I claim to be no professional musician. But it's just we call the music for what it is really, you know, some of my favorite music has came to shitty song of the week and I have to look at it for what it is. You know, it's not just my favorite song anymore. This is a song that has a terrible, you know, guitar riff or a terrible beat or terrible lyrics or, you know, 
it just it, it made me realize that everything out there even my favorite songs aren't that great musically yeah you know so. makes sense so final question what do you think you have in store what if you and brandon have a store for shitty song of the week and what do you how far do you think you can take this because like you said i know you mentioned earlier that you plan on another five years of doing it how do you see the evolution of this show going because right now i think you guys are doing a great job with it i mean i say five years i mean i i'm, I'm i hope and i and i'm you know it's well on track to be a show that never goes away you know there's never going to be an end to it i don't think but i mean it's just to, to grow and you know be a household name you know everybody will know who shitty song of the week is i'm not trying to be like joe rogan popular you know what i mean i, I don't really feel like it's going to reach that level of popularity but i feel like and, and it's stupid to me that i'm comparing popularity to joe rogan after what just happened with joe I, rogan i was just gonna Young say that whole <laughs> yeah for the record joe rogan is a piece of shit by the way anyway um i feel like that you know let's let's say and the next year it's going to grow into you know it, it it already is a show that people can call and leave song suggestions my my personal goal is to have some of these listeners randomly on the show um to give us their shitty song that they think is terrible like we're we're branching out and we're going to be dabbling in the discord community a little bit and we're going to be doing you know live recordings where the listener can live interact with the show and comment live and and become part of the show itself on discord but i feel like that the show i just hope that it keeps growing forward and organically i don't i don't like paying for downloads and listens and views and, and all that i would like for this show to organically grow into what it to what it can be is it's it's already reaching you know a third of the world already you know, so I, I just, I hope that people will finally catch on and, and listen to it for what it is. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm the heel of the show now. I'm the polarizing co-host now because of my terrible taste in music, but it, it's like people, even though it's terrible, and this is what blows my mind, even though people think that I'm, you know, not a terrible co-host, but my taste in music is shitty or I don't know what I'm talking about or whatever. I hope that people still listen to it, even because people hate Howard Stern. Yes. People hate Joe Rogan. Yes. People hate those, those types of personalities on the radio or podcast, but they still listen to it just for the shock and awe factor of it. You know what I mean? So I hope to step on a few toes, you know, make people realize that what they consider their favorite music is not that great. You know, so it, it, I just want the show to keep growing like it is organically and, and get a little bit bigger every year or every month or, or whatever. Like I don't have any like super high unreasonable expectations for the show. I just want it to keep growing at the rate that it's growing for an infinite amount of years. You know, I, I can't really say what the show is going to be doing because we fly by the seat of our pants every month. Like when something new comes up, we have an idea for something and it's constantly evolving into you know what it is right now so i don't have like i say i don't have any super high expectations for the show really i just think that it's going at a it's growing at a comfortable pace and people like it people love it people hate it people hate to love it people love to hate it so i mean it's, it's covering it's firing on all cylinders and covering all the bases so that's exactly what we want it to do really you know, not everybody's going to like it, but even though you still hate it, you still listen every week because you can't help but listen to the, you know what I mean? You can't help but listen to it because you hate it so much Brett, or, or a- love it or love it so much. I'm not trying to, you know, cast negativity on the oh, show. No, no, no. But either way, whether you love it or whether you hate it, you still listen to it either way. You, you, know you, I mean? you explained that in a very elegant way, and I think it works out perfectly. This has been a great time, Red man. Yeah. Let, let them know where to find you at for those who don't know. Oh man, there is shitty song of the week available on all the podcatchers, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, all those in between. 
Um, there's a Patreon out there where you can donate just $1 for all the extra content. It's patreon.com forward slash S-S-O-T-W. Almost messed up. Patreon.com forward slash S-S-O-T-W. And we're constantly adding stuff to that. There's going to be some new tiers where we're going to include merch and a bunch of other stuff. We're going to, we're going to revamp an old show of mine and Brandon's and put it on the Patreon exclusively where you can't get it anywhere else. So there's a lot of new stuff coming for the 2022 year for the Patreon. So there you go. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. As always, Delvin Cox Experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, there is more exclusive podcasts, including I'm the Podcaster, He's the DJ, that is the hip-hop podcast I do with Mr. Tim Hines, as well as the Boonkocks, which is a Boondocks review show I do with my son, Delvin Jr. With that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to Patreon producers, Shirley Walker, Ghost Rider UK, and Mikey Famine. Thank you. God bless.